Welcome to Apollos Watered. My name is Wayne Stender. I am the producer here at Apollos Watered, and I get to work every week with Travis Michael Fleming to help you water your faith so you can water your world. Today, we're going to flip the script. I'm going to talk to the Flemings about what we do here at Apollos Watered. They're going to introduce us to a special concept that you'll hear more about here at Apollos Watered called the Missio Holistic Approach. It's what Travis does inherently, and we're going to dissect what that term means, how Travis came to adopt that term, and how the Flemings have been using that term to water their faith as they water their world and inspire us to do the same. We're pulling back the curtains now with this special Interrupter episode to give you an understanding of what we're doing here at Apollo Squatter. As Travis says, happy listening. Before we get into what the Missy Holistic Approach is, I'd like to know a little bit of kind of why you started this ministry here with Apollos Watered and how you think that this is such an important thing to do to water the world. And then I'd like you to kind of tie in then how the Missy Holistic approach kind of impacts that, where that, where that idea came from. So that's a lot for you guys to bite off, but I know you've got a big mouth, so I think you could totally just go for it, man. Just go for that big Mac and take a bite out of it. So the Missio Holistic Approach, I'll start with that. You know, after being in ministry for over 20 years, I served in small churches and I served in large churches. And one of the things that I started to notice in the church was we were always looking for best practices on how to do church. But it didn't seem like we were really concerned for the souls of people. Like I would talk about praying or fasting and I'd get laughed at sometimes. And I thought, wait a minute, the church has done this since its inception. And why are we thinking that this is a a fickle thing now? And it it bothered me. that, and it, and it also bothered me that it seemed we would be talking about reaching people and they were people that had already been in church or came from other churches. And it started to really just drive me crazy. And, and the church we were at, we'd also have people drive past us to go to one of our camp, other campuses. And I asked myself, why? Is it the same? Is it different? Or is it just that it's because of the friendships that are there? And of course it was. But there was also a social dimension that the church doesn't like to talk about very often because it makes us feel uncomfortable. And it really started to bug me that people wanted to be around people like them. And it sounds weird to say that, but when you're at a church, you're always going to have people that aren't like you. You should anyway. And I would see people be like, oh, we want to attract more people like us. And I remember Rick Warren had written a book the purpose-driven church uh, several years ago. And in it, he had talked about the great commandment, and the great commission. And I'm like, yeah, but there's another one. There's the great commandment, the great commission and the great community. And that comes from John chapter 17, where Jesus said, I pray that they may be one as we are one so that the world may know that you sent me. But I don't think that the church really believes that in a lot of ways, because the churches would, wouldn't really come together from their different, backgrounds. And to me, it's when you come from a different background and you guys have this community, that shows the world who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. So that coupled with the fact that we just seem to always want to manage programs 
And I'm not saying we don't have a place to manage programs, but there wasn't a lot of soul care. And I'm hearing about pastors burning out. And I was experiencing that myself. You're doing this intensified schedule all the time. And I'm like, this is not how the way it should be. So I started talking. I spoke at a, a men's retreat. And I was just sharing about how our modern world has led us to this place where the church is kind of this self-help extension rather than really introducing you to who Jesus is, or it's really surface about Jesus. Like we get you to pray the prayer and that's it. But I remember hearing a sermon or reading it, I think it was a book where John Piper said that we're saved, we're being saved and we will be saved. And Step one is that justification aspect. You know, it's the, you do pray the prayer, you receive Christ, but then there's the being saved part. And then there's the, will you will be saved. That's glory. And it's all three. It's not, it's not just the one, but most evangelicals that I meet, really it's the one, it's that level one, that justification part that they look at and they don't look at it any further. And so that, that really bugged me. And then add to that, the study that had been done um, on Willow Creek, and I think it was in 2007, called the Reveal Study. And they basically said, we got discipleship wrong. And every discipleship class was, it was just a class. It was come to us, come to us, come to us, get material, get material, get information. But I was having people in my church that couldn't read. And then add one more layer to this, and then it'll all make sense. But I went on a sabbatical because I was burning out. And I went to this other church and they were just famous for being really reformed and, and really about theology. It was great. And I get in there and everyone looked exactly like me about my age, same facial hair. And what bugged me though, is that theology was great, but it just seemed like, where are the poor people? Where are the broken? Where, where, cause people are messy. The, the people here were all kind of put together and they all talked about their theology. And I went, what good is your, your theology if you're not interacting with people that are different and broken and having this great community? So all of that together really was just a burden on me. And I didn't know how to voice it. And when I spoke at this men's retreat, these guys got done and they're like, man, we love this. This is awesome. Is it, what is it? Is it missions? You know, it's like, you're talking about our souls, but you're also talking about cultures and how culture shifts and shapes everything we see and in this community that we go after and and what is it and it's not missions it's it's not teaching it's kind of a bit of both and i got really frustrated and i i was talking to kevin who's our chief editor and i was like this is driving me nuts because i'm i'm trying to create a category of something that i don't know what's there i mean you could call it missional right but the name, God just brought the name to me and I went, it's, it's about the mission of God being sent, but with all of your life. So there's this missio holistic aspect and then that word just stuck. And I went, this missio holistic approach is really saying, how do we fulfill the mission of God where we are with all of who we are in the way that God wants us to? And that means engaging your world. And the question is, is what's your world? Because this is where the cultural part comes in. I'm encountering people from all these different cultures, but in the church, that's not what I see. It's like the church becomes the most segregated place on Sunday morning. And, yeah. and again, I'm not trying to chastise churches that you don't have that in your area. Okay. If you, if your community is all one ethnicity, then, and that's what your church should be. But if your area is ethnically diverse, then your church should be a representation of that because that really brings out a full picture of who God is. 
so it's it's a lot of things. It's got a lot of pieces to it. And we're still trying to iron all that out. Mm-hmm. But we think that's the key to the renewal of the church in the West because the church is dying in the West, at least from a numbers perspective, definitely from an influence perspective. But when I look around the world, the church is exploding. I, I want to know why. So it made it led me on this journey to look at places where the church was once really strong. And now it's like a ghost town like Syria. I mean, these are places in early church history where the church was just booming. And why? What happened? And people think, oh, you know, that can't happen here. Oh, yeah, it can. I was in Boston, in Boston or Massachusetts, New England, where you have the Great Awakenings, Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield. And those churches now are ghost towns. And so I went, what was it? But the weird thing was, is that the church in New England was growing, but it was the immigrant churches. So I started saying that God's brought the nations for here to reach us or be reached. It's one of the two. And so all that, the cultural aspect, trying to help people see it, how our culture shapes us and how we are to live in the midst of this modern culture led us to this really missio holistic approach. And so we've kind of nailed that down to fulfilling the mission of God, where you are with all of who you are. That's it. I mean, there's there's not a lot to it. It's just that our culture, though, dictates a lot with what we see and how we live that out. And the gospel affirms something in every culture and challenges something in every culture. And part of it is, is that our culture is shifting so much right now, so quickly that people don't know what to do. But the, the, the word of God is the same and hasn't changed much. So I don't know if that answers your question. I feel like I'm meandering. Now. That's a good start. Okay. (laughs) So, but I have this big question, maybe a little bit for Melissa, because we just heard, you know, Travis kind of go off on this. And I kind of want to get a perspective from you because you watched Travis take this, a lot of this journey, and it wasn't by himself. You know, the reality is when we have a spouse, they walk through these different things with us, especially in ministry. What was your perspective as this was going on in him. I'm guessing that because you're married and the Lord talks about you being one, how did this missio holistic approach kind of come into your mind too and change a little bit for you, the way that you look at interacting with church and participating in the faith community God has you in? And how did, how did that kind of all shape for you too? There were some similar things to what Travis said, but even as he was talking, I was thinking about stuff that happened at the church where we were, and even some of the things that I've learned over the past few years with this whole journey. And one of the things was, yes, we saw things that were problems in different churches, even in our church and different things that were going on. But we also experienced the community of having people from all kinds of backgrounds and countries. And when you come together on a Sunday morning and I led worship at the church a lot, and there is something about people coming from completely different places in life, in all kinds of places, but they come together and they all know the same God and they all worship the same God. And it's like this unifying place and it's amazing. And there would be people that would come in from the outside and they'd walk in and be like, what? There's people with like African beautiful dress and saris on and then just, you know, a polo and jeans and (laughs) all these different mixtures of colors, not just in clothing, but skin. And it was amazing to see them come together like that and worship the Lord. And so 
it was like the sum of all of these things happening in one area. And it, it was just beautiful. I don't know. It showed you something of God that I could not see in other places. And so having a picture of that, I just wanted to keep seeing that and keep being involved with that and keep connecting with people that were not like me so that I could see more of what God is. Because like Travis says, he communicates himself different to people. Like we understand him in different ways from different cultures and other people can show me something that I wouldn't know intuitively. So there was that aspect. And then also I started being involved with the group in the middle of COVID and it actually became a really close group. And we started studying things about like brain, some of the brain science and things about having relationships and growing joy and things like what we've heard uh, Marcus Warner and Jim Wilder talk about on the podcast and started meeting God in a different way, which I don't want that to sound weird or anything. We're new agey. <laughs> but there, we're new agey. Yeah. But there was something about being quiet and getting out of like the constant rat race of what was happening and changing my, the way I communicated with the Lord, that was like all of me. And I don't know if this is even answering your question, but it was like that journey for me, both of those things together, and then walking side by side with Travis as he went on a sabbatical, as we were really soul searching about a lot of different things and supporting one another. And it was like, yeah, what is this thing? We have this holy discontent. We've talked Mm -hmm. about that before. Like, what is this thing that we're just like yearning for? And we want everybody to see and be involved in. And we don't want church to just be something that you attend, you know, one day a week. We want this to be a living, breathing church that knows the true Lord Jesus together. And and we wanted that. We go together. Because of circumstances, we actually had to leave the church we were in. And I do believe that was God did that to kind of push us into where we are right now. And that's really hard because when you love people and you have to leave them, even if God says go, (laughs) it's heartbreaking. It's really hard. So we found ourselves in this place of having this holy discontent and also wanting to define this to help people understand the yearning that we had and the pieces of what we had already experienced and hoping they would be able to experience that too. But even as she was saying the neurotheology, that really filled out the holistic nature of things. Yeah. And and it put brain science behind what we were feeling Mm -hmm. because there was this idea in church years ago where there was a debate. Do you believe then you belong or you belong and then you believe? especially as you're interacting with people and and people would have different models and reasons why, but now they can map it on the brain and show it that you actually have to belong before you believe people have to see it and they have to see that they're really cared for. And I think that's just it. I think we try to get people to believe a proposition without giving them the relational credit or capital. You know what I mean? Like if we're not going to invest the relational capital, then they're not going to, to believe the God that we talk about. And that's the part that I think really bothered me. I mean, not just from the mission standpoint, but in the missio part, but the holistic nature. I, I just felt like 
the churches would be like, why are these pastors burning out? Was my question. And I saw it over and over and over again. And you, and you'd say, why, 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 why? And then people would say like, Oh, soul care, soul care. And they'd, they'd add that to the box to check for the pastor. And it's like, it's not like that. It's, it's, it's your soul. It, we, we don't it's like not a bubble bath. It's like not soul care, self care. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really experiencing the relationship aspect with Jesus and not just like, Oh, I got to get this in my 20 minutes today. And with pastors, they're like, well, it's my whole life to serve people and to study the Bible. And when is my actual communion well, with the Lord? Because he is relationship. He exists in relationship and he wants us to be in relationship. Spiritual growth. You know, we have those moments where we grow in leaps and bounds, just like your kid might sprout up like three inches over a summer. You know, I sprout up three inches every other day because I'm yeah, like so, eight, so. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but, but there are most of the time our growth is just really incremental. And I tell people it's like a dimmer switch. You know, some of us have that spiritual dimmer switch where it takes a long time to really see, but the light continues to brighten. And some people, it was, you know, it, it, it's not like they was off and then it just went on and they're just spiritually mature now. I think I even had a wrong definition of what spiritual maturity was. I thought it was just, you know, knowing all the doctrines and everything else, but it's not. Now I know it's it's really suffering well. That's what spiritual maturity is. And that fills in that holistic part. And it also means that I'm interacting with people that are different than myself. I am trying to be in community with, with people. But our modern world, I mean, face it, we can fill it with activities because everyone thinks this is the life we're to pursue and this is the life we want to give it to our kids without asking, is this the life God wants for our children? Yeah. And so this is, again, that missio holistic aspect of what are we really trying to create? Are we trying to make our kids just moral and have the right worldview? Or are we trying to really have them commune with the living God so that they might further his kingdom with their life wherever they go mm-hmm. and whoever they interact with? So I want you to kind of explain a little bit for us, because there's some of us like myself that I hear you saying Missio Holistic, and I nod a lot. I'm like, I understand what he's saying. I have no idea what the Missio part means, and then the holistic part. So break that down for me a little bit like you're talking to a dummy, because you might be right now talking okay. to a dummy. So Missio means descent, right? So Jesus, as we read in the book of John, he says, as the as the Father has sent me, so send I you. So he sends us on this mission. And we say, okay, it's to make disciples of all nations, right? We, that's what we, we, we get to go. But the make disciples part, I think we have a very incomplete understanding of what that means. Make disciples means make followers. It doesn't just mean pray a prayer. I mean, there is the commitment part. Don't don't get me wrong. We do lead people to Jesus. They need to understand a lot of different aspects of doctrine. But there's also a reason why Paul says in the book of Corinthians, I planted, Apollos watered, God made it grow. So we all have a place in this role of a person's life. So what I'm saying is that some of us are planters. And in some way, we all are in some capacity. Even Apollos was an aspect of a planter. But he really was good at watering the faith of people. 
and helping them grow. Again, I am saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. So what we're saying is God sends you on a mission. Now, the question is, is what is this mission? Yes, you're to make disciples. But then you read it in Ephesians and in Colossians. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Children, obey your parents. How is that making a disciple? You have to say, well, okay, what what does that mean? Some people, again, this is how the homeless operate. Why? Because you're showing a reflection that you're under the authority of God, that you're living in the way that God intends. That is an aspect of mission, just like the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, Mm -hmm. the Great Commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is the holistic aspect. I know I'm to love God. I know I'm to love my neighbor because, again, my mission is part of my mission. I'm called to love people so they might know who Jesus is. But the part that we miss in a lot of circles today, it says love your neighbor as yourself. And because in evangelicalism, we're afraid right now because you've got the Oprah Winfrey theology, which is all about love thyself, right? And that's an improper use of it. Just like with the devil, what he does is he takes a good things and then he makes, takes it off the rails and makes it an extreme. And we have a tendency to pull the pendulum back too far the other way in our adjustments. So what I'm saying is, is that a proper understanding of loving yourself is a God thing. We love God first. We're to love our neighbor, but we're also to love ourselves. And that again is the holistic part. And that carries into how I forgive people how I love my wife, how I take care of my children, how I go about my job, that is holistically helping accomplish the mission of God where we're at. And when you get into the book of Acts and you start seeing the different cultures and how they interact with one another, you start to see this really is fleshed out mm-hmm. because the yes, the disciples were preaching where they went, but they also lived in the area. And they interacted and they daily reasoned, but they were living life with people. And so this is the holistic nature. It's it's not just walking around saying, Jesus, 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 praise the Lord Jesus all the time. It's saying, hey, let's let's have a cup of coffee. Let's talk. How are your kids? What's going on? You want to play basketball? You know, I'm, I'm coaching this football league. You want to help? You know, it's just being with people. And then as you do, your life should rub off and that should come up. But I think a lot of evangelicals sit there and go, here's four spiritual laws. And I, I wanna, I'm just going to give them to you right now. And that's their what they think is what they're to do and the mission's over. And then when, when that person doesn't respond in a favorable way, they don't know how to interact. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to just be with them. It's real basic. I, and I say missiolistic, it's a big word. But it's really just basic understanding that those in church history knew they didn't have to have a term for it. But I feel like today we have to have a qualifier because there's all these perverted forms that are out there. So it's fulfilling the mission of God where you are with all of who you are. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's cool. And I think there's a reality for us needing terms or even like processes because we're just we're in a Western world, right? Like we have analytics for how we buy coffee in the morning. Like there's just reality for all of the things that sometimes this approach is really freeing because it's 
that there's not an analytic for this. This is just kind of living life. You have a phrase that you mentioned to me right away that I'd like to have you kind of engage as we get kind of to the end here, where you talked about what we're doing at, at Apollos Water being from, from scriptures across time, across the sea, across all of life. And I'd like to have you kind of walk through that, what that concept is and, and why that's such an important thing for us to think about with what we're doing here and what you hope our listeners kind of are discipled by. The reality for what we're doing, I think, is that we're walking with people through every part of life. You know, they're going to they're going to listen to us as they're at the gym. They're going to listen to us as they're driving, you know, their car to drop their kids off at school. There's a lot of like, as you go kind of Deuteronomy, you know, six where God kind of tells Israel, as you go, write this on your doorpost and all of these things, we get a chance to do that with Apollos water. But I want you to explain that concept of from scriptures across time, across the sea, across all of life and where that kind of comes from and why that's a good driving force for us at Apollos Water, but then also for those of us as we're being mentored and discipled to really water our world here. That's a great question. And I love that, actually. Just that whole that whole phraseology just really encompasses something that we don't say enough, probably. But from Scripture, we believe the Bible is the Word of God. It is the inerrant Word of God that speaks to us and about who we are, who God is, actually who God is first, and then who we are and how we are to live. And I love Kevin. Kevin Van Hooser, uh, he's a theologian, and he he said that the Bible is like a performance script. It's like we're we're on the stage of the world, and Jesus is the star of the show, and we're we're performing the gospel. Not that we're literally living it out or repeating it, but we're showing its living proof in our lives, as the power of the Spirit is working in us. the The Bible is not just this old book that is for another time. It speaks to us now and it's showing us how to live now on the stage of the world and then inviting other people to be a part of that. And so that's everything we do must come from the word of God. The time part is really church history. I interviewed Oz Guinness. And one of the things that he said was, is we don't know history, you know, and it's the old phrase, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. And so we want to learn from the mistakes of other Christians as well as draw inspiration from their example. So we want to avoid their mistakes because we know that there's nothing new under the sun. And we see how time is reciprocal. It has a tendency to repeat itself over and over. And, and we see people make the same mistakes. So when I'm looking at church history, I'm trying to learn from their mistakes so as not to repeat them, but also to draw inspiration when I face tough challenges and is there anyone that's faced some of the challenges that I have? And, and chances are there are. Yeah. So he said across time and across the sea. That's the next one, right? Right. Yeah. Across the sea. So this goes back, back to what I said earlier. The church is growing all over the world. It's exploding. And my question is, is what's going on? Why are they exploding and we're not? And I, I want to learn from them. Even when I go on mission trips, I think a lot of Westerners, when they go to the mission trip, they think that they're going to offer all this stuff. But the reality is, is that actually they're, you're going to get more from them than you're going to give them. Because you're going to see sacrifice. You're going to see suffering. You're going to see hospitality. And it's not to say we don't have anything to offer. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But we have to understand that it's a reciprocal relationship. And so when I go on a mission trip, I always walk in and I go, they say, what do you want to do? 
And I said, well, what do you want me to do? I, I, I'm coming here to serve. I'm going to leave and you're, you're going to be here. But I think a lot of Westerners walk in and they say, this is how you do it. This is how we did it in the U.S. This is how, you know, you build this building. And then, and then they pull out because of some disagreement and then leaves them holding the, the proverbial bag, looking really bad in the eyes of their community. And I just don't think we as Westerners realize that. We don't think like that. And so I'm, when I go in, I say, how am I, I'm going as a student. I'm here to serve you. And whatever you think I can offer that I want to offer, because it is reciprocal. You know, I'm going to go and I'm going to learn something from them. They're going to teach me something about prayer or sacrifice or worship or joy or dance or singing or, and it's not all perfect, but I, and I have something to offer. I've been a beneficiary of great scholarship and um, some really good history, but also some big mistakes that I don't want them to experience. And so I'm going to try to help head that off before it happens. And so I want to learn from their example and I want to hear from their voices because, and I, I've shared this on the show before, but I think it's just so important. In, in the book of Revelation, you have these four angels surrounding the throne of God saying to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And one missiologist who studies mission and how it works out in a different context, he said, I liken them to the four corners of the earth saying to one another, this is what I see about God. What do you see? This is what I see about God. What do you see? And then I, I liken that to C.S. Lewis. And I, I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. And in in his group that he was really close with, they would meet. They were called the Inklings. You know, these authors that would encourage one another. And when one of them died, I think it was Charles William, Lewis said, now I get more of Tolkien to myself. Because Charles William seemed to always manipulate the conversation with Tolkien. And he said, but the reality is, is now that Charles William has died, something about Tolkien has died too. Because there's something that only Charles William could bring out in Tolkien's personality that no one else could. And I apply that to cultures and people. That if that culture's there, it brings out something of an understanding of God that my cultural background doesn't have. So when I worship with Portuguese they're very emotive or Brazilians. Russians have this huge tradition of just singing. And there's a robustness as they've gone through suffering and under communism and, and a steadfastness to and it and reverence mm -hmm. that I, my, my, my tradition doesn't have. And so, but if I go into African-American church, then there's this idea of storytelling and a, and a bit of performance as you go about it. Mm -hmm. And I want to learn from that. You know, I, I want to, I want to bring that into my experience of who God is and share that with other people because my vision of God grows. So that's part of what we're trying to get people to do is really grow your vision of God. Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm all for theology, but theology is developed in a certain context and it's always responding to a question of that time. And this is where we're, we try to be a lot like C.S. Lewis in that there's a mere Christianity aspect to what we do. Yeah. Like we're not here trying to get into the finer points of theology. That's not our Apollos Waters. That, that's not our job. We're a big, great hall. Mm -hmm. And we want to get you in the hall. You know, that's what Lewis said that he wanted to do with mere Christianity is I, there's all these sub rooms where your, your tribe is, but you come in, we're going to help you with a great hall. And, and we can't remove all of our tribal theology pieces but we're going to do our best to learn, to grow, and to help people grow where they're at so that they too can 
turn around and water their world where they're at. Yeah, I think that that's really, um, really cool. The last part that you talk about is this idea of bringing this faith then across or for all of life. And help me understand what you mean by that when you talk about having this be something that's for all of life. So for all of life, we've touched on it some already as we've been talking, but we see as our faith as not being segmented in all these different separate areas. It's complete and whole. And so for all of life, we want to bring you the issues that we're all dealing with in all of our life. And we want to talk about how are we living this out in all of these different areas? How are you going to live this out when you're volunteering at school? How are you going to live this out when you're just trying to make dinner and your kids are pulling at you everywhere? Or when your teenager just slammed the door? Or like, where is God in the middle of suffering or a divided nation? And there's so many things that I love or technology. And I love what you said, like bringing us all into the great hall, because there are things that we are all dealing with Mm -hmm. in all of life. And we kind of just need to come together and talk about it and be together and experience the Lord together with all of these things. So it is all of life. Christianity is not just something you do one time a week. It's not just something you do 15 minutes when you start your day. It is everything. It's all of who you are in all of your life. What are the hopes that you have for the the listeners here? What are some of the desires, maybe the the dreams that you have for them as you're thinking through, as you're creating these these shows and, and running this ministry? What do you hope for them as they're kind of engaging with this? My hope would be that they would find something that they could grab onto that resonates that would help fill in the gaps and the holes. And that as people do that, as they find something that really resonates with whatever's going on in their life or what they need, that they would be pulled into a community, a community of people that are pursuing the mission that God has for them. And that there would be a consistent watering and growing and a deepening of their faith together that inevitably will overflow onto others. So I, I would I would add to that. There was a, a Christian movie. It was called Facing the Giants, maybe. And in it, they get this kid. He's running this drill and he has to like bear crawl so many yards on the field. And the coach just keeps with a kid on his back. And he keeps yelling at him and he goes, just a few more yards, a few more yards, because the kid said he couldn't do it, you know, and he ends up crawling the whole field. And so there's a part of me that's like, all right, I want to. He can't see the finish line. He can't see the finish he line. He can only I, see what's right I, in I front of him. I want to be the encourager that helps get people to the finish line. Yeah. I, I want him to think differently. I want him to experience this great community that I think the watching world is waiting for. That was an incredible privilege to be on the other side of the microphone, asking the Flemings a little bit about why they're doing what they're doing and what they hope to encourage us with. As Travis has said, we're working to do additional fundraising here at the end of the year. The reason is we believe that this perspective that the Flemings are bringing has the opportunity to water our faith as we go out and water the world. We want to invite you to be a part of this movement that we believe God is calling us on, and we also believe that God is calling you on. Would you consider joining us in this mission by making a year-end gift 
to Apollos Watered. To do that, simply visit apolloswatered.org. Again, that's apolloswatered.org. Now we hope that this message has been something that's inspiring you to go out and water your faith so you can water the world. For Apollos Watered, my name's Wayne Stender. Thanks for listening. And I'm on the road.